Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this opportunity to worship you together. We pray, Lord God, that you would focus our hearts and minds upon you now. Help us to lay aside the cares and concerns, Lord, which, uh, which so easily distract us. May we commit those to you at this point, Lord, and trust, Lord, that you would focus our hearts on you. Thank you, Lord God, for this gift. And Lord, place your word upon our hearts and in our minds and on our lips, Lord God, that it might be faithfully proclaimed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. Morning. It's so good to see you all today. Well, as many of you know, I was gone with my family for a couple weeks of vacation. And you know, when you live in the big city like Grass Valley, sometimes you need to get away to a small town, right? And so we went up to Downeyville, which really is a small town, right? It's 325 people live there, maybe. Uh, and it's beautiful, though. If you've never been there, it's right on the it's uh, right on the North Yuba River, and there's all these other streams that come into the town. It's just a gorgeous place. Uh, but then you keep going past Downeyville, and you go to Sierra City, and above Sierra City are the Sierra Buttes, which like just rise out of the hills like uh, the the Swiss Alps. I mean, they're really beautiful and, and sharp, and and I love how they look up there. But on the back side of the Sierra Buttes is one of our favorite places to go, and that is a little place called Sand Pond. It's this tiny little pond, you know, maybe 150 feet across, 200 feet across. It's only like six feet deep, so when the rest of the lakes up there are freezing cold, Sand Pond is always warm and has a nice sandy bottom, hence the name. It's not false advertising. And so our kids loved this place. I loved it when I was a kid. They love to swim there now. Uh, it's one of those beautiful like places in our region of the world that was used to like I think that it was filled with arsenic previously, right? To like uh, to help in the processing of gold. It's one of those classic things or cyanide or something, you know. But it's great now. Uh, apparently the water tastes good. No, I didn't drink it. But um, so we we're there in Sand Pond, and the kids love it because it's full of tadpoles, right? And the kids love to catch tadpoles. And why can the kids catch tadpoles? Because tadpoles are slow, right? The kids would love to catch fish with their hands, but they can't catch fish. Why can't they catch fish? Fish are fast, right? Fish are fast. They're hard to deal with. Fish are like designed for a life of swimming. But tadpoles, they seem to know that they're not going to be swimming long, right? What are they on their way to becoming? Frogs, right? And the tadpoles in this particular, in Sand Pond, are particularly slow and sluggish, right? They are kind of, and they're massive. They're like an orange with a tail, right? So they're like, and right now they're at the stage where they've got some legs hanging off them too, which does not help their hydrodynamics. Is that right? Hydrodynamics? So they're like going in the water like super slow and they're like, fine, you caught me. Okay, Uh, what am I going to do? Right? Tadpoles are this interesting transition between uh, before they come to the glory of a frog. You know, I brought a little frog just as a prop in case you're having a hard time visualizing a frog, right? So um, they're on their way to becoming a frog, but they're not there yet, right? And they're kind of stuck, especially the ones in Sand Pond right now. They've got the legs, but the legs aren't doing them any good. They're just hanging on there. And then uh, their tails don't push them fast enough, so they're not like a fish. They can't get away. And their bodies are fat. I mean, who thought of that, this giant fat thing pushing around in this lake? It can't get away from anything. And a tiny mouth, 
like this little teeny mouth. It's like, um, it's like something, right? It's like something really small and something really big. Uh, it has no, they can't catch anything. You know, frogs have this huge mouth that goes across their whole head. Tadpoles, they've got this little tiny orifice, and they're trying to catch things with that. You, I don't know how they survive. And a tadpole is just stuck in this transitional period. It's this awkward, weird, not really good at anything phase, just waiting for the glory of froggishness coming on, right? I think the Apostle Paul might have had this in mind when he wrote the letter to the church in Rome. Or maybe not. Maybe he wasn't thinking of tadpoles. But it made me think of tadpoles. Right? In this letter to the Romans, which is the most theologically linear of the letters of Paul, he makes an argument that moved from our total brokenness under sin to our redemption and glory in Christ. Once we are redeemed, though, we face a challenge. Paul puts his finger on it in the first verse of our reading from Romans. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. In simple statements, Paul is lying out, or Paul lays out the reality that Christians live under. Perhaps it would be helpful if I were to set up the arc of Paul's discussion in Romans. Paul begins the letter by showing its readers that every single person on this world has sinned, and because of that sin, has earned the consequence of sin, which is death. death. Exactly. The wages of sin are death. In this condition, the world is stuck without a recourse. There is no way for it to get itself out of this place of judgment. Humanity has no hope of redeeming itself. Therefore, God steps down into this world as our rescuer, takes our flesh upon himself, and lives in perfect communion with the Father, absolutely sinless. Then on the cross, as we kill him for being faithful, he takes our sin upon himself and gives us the offer of salvation. If anyone will believe in him, they will be set free from the condemnation of sin, now and forever. This is God's grace to us. Eternal life is guaranteed, and the hope in this life is assured. You, me, and everyone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ is in this exact same position then before the Father, fully justified before God. Regardless of what they look like on the outside, if they are in Christ, they are a new creation. Redeemed because of the cleansing blood of the Savior. Now, so that's Paul's argument, right? He builds that across uh, the whole letter of Romans. Now, we get to the part that Paul was referencing, though, in our particular passage. We are heading towards heaven, but we've not yet arrived. God bless you. Yet in this world, we are commanded to live as though we are already there. That's what God's laws are, right? They are um, the way that we are called to live in heaven, right? That is how we will live up there. Um, We are to live loving our God alone and our neighbors as ourselves. We yearn to do this because we are people who are on our way to eternal life with God. This type of life is our heart's desire. 
But there's one glaring problem in our fulfilling of this life. It's that we're terrible at it. Anyone else noticed that before? We are terrible at living in this heavenly way. But think about it. If we'd been really good at it in the first place, we wouldn't have really needed Jesus, right? If we had been good at fulfilling the law, God wouldn't have needed to send his only begotten son to set us free from sin. Because we would have done it ourselves. But we couldn't. And so God had to send Jesus Christ to save us. Because each and every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. We are all spiritual criminals. And we struggle with our broken nature. The recidivism rate is 100%, right? Is really, it's the challenge, right? That we face as Christians. Thus, Paul says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Paul yearned to live according to God's commands, to live the way the Holy Spirit called him to. Yet he found time and time again, when he sought to do it, he fell far short of his goal. And this was a crushing thing for him, to desire to live faithfully and to find that so often he could not. And so Paul, in the midst of his desperation, was led to the one place that he could find hope. Anyone know where that is? Begins with the Jesus, ends with the Christ. Any guesses? Jesus Christ, good job, that's right, Jesus Christ, absolutely. That was the only place that Paul could find hope, was in Jesus Christ, the one who had given him hope at the beginning as well. In our passage, in in this passage from Romans, it says, Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. He knew that his only hope lay in his Savior's hands. And so every time Paul fell short, he was reminded how much he needed God. Every time his heart failed him, he was shown again and again to depend upon God. Every time Paul sinned, he was reminded what a wonderful God he served because he could be forgiven and made free again. You, I, and Paul in the letter to the Romans, we're like tadpoles. We are in a transitional place where we're heading for something great, right? The glory of eating flies. Wait, that doesn't preach real well, does it? Uh, We are heading for this, this greater life than we're in now. This life of beauty, this life of perfection, this life of completion. We are heading for that place. But we're not there yet. We have these legs that don't work right, right? We're trying to get around the pond and we just don't, can't do what we want to do. It doesn't work the way we want it to work. We can't swim fast enough. We just are not there. But the remarkable thing is, is that God in his power can use even us tadpoles. If we will walk in humility, admitting that we fall short of the call of God, confessing to God and to others our failures, proclaiming God as holy and full of grace, we can bear witness to the God who makes us holy. 
brothers and sisters, the gospel is not that we learn to live rightly. The gospel is not that we've gotten our lives under control. The gospel is that a righteous God died to save us unrighteous people. That is the source of our hope. And so may we proclaim that message with our lives and with our words this day and forevermore. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you take us broken people. Lord, and you have chosen to die to set us free. Thank you for that gift, Lord. Thank you for the gift of life that is ours in your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to accept your grace again and again as we seek to live in this transitional phase of life. As we await your return, Lord, and as we await our eternal life with you, help us to receive your grace, to turn to you in humility, Lord, when we fall short. Help us, Lord, to be honest, to be open, to be um, to ask for forgiveness from others, Lord, when we sin and we wound them. Lord, and may we be gracious with one another as we seek to live out this life that you have set us in. Fill us with your joy and your peace, Lord. Remind us what a hope we have in Jesus. And may we walk with him daily. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.